I'm going to read a short extract from Srila Prabhupada's purport to Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 5, Text Number 5. The best example of self-sufficiency is the sun. The sun does not require to be illuminated by any other body. Rather, it is the sun which helps all other illuminating agents. For in the presence of the sun, no other illuminating agent becomes prominent. This is uh, important, self-sufficiency. The Supreme Personality of Godhead doesn't require help from anyone. Rather, he helps everyone. He's not dependent upon anyone. We are all dependent upon him, whether or not we admit that. One who admits that is a theist. One who doesn't admit it is an atheist. <clears throat> the self-sufficiency, don't need to take help from others. So the sun doesn't need to take help from others to be seen. We take it for granted that the sun is in the sky, the moon is in the sky, the stars are in the sky. Among them all, the sun is by far the most radiant. But we don't think, we just take it for granted. How is it that the sun is giving out such tremendous energy and there's no renewable source. We don't see the, just by its own Achintya Shakti, inconceivable potency, is giving out so much heat and light and energy. It's inconceivable to us. Of course, the scientists may try to explain it. Uh, of course, the sun also derives energy from the Supreme Lord. But the example is there. When we see the sun, we can think of the Supreme Lord, how just like the sun is self-sufficient, doesn't need anything else to illuminate. So the Supreme Lord is self-sufficient in all respects. In this regard, I'm going to read from Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, chapter 11, texts 4 to 5 and Srila Prabhupada's translation. Tatropanita balayo ravedipam evadritaha atmaramam purnakamam nijalabhena nityada prityut pula mukha prochur harshagat gadaya gira pitaram sarva suhridam avitaram evarbhakaha The citizen is the citizens of Dwaraka when Lord Krishna returns to his city, Dwaraka. The citizens arrived before the Lord with their respective presentations, offering them to the fully satisfied and self-sufficient one, who by his own potency incessantly supplies others. So what's the point being made here? The, the, the citizens are arriving with offerings to the Supreme Lord who is fully satisfied. He doesn't need anything to satisfy him. And he's self-sufficient, means he doesn't need anything for his physical maintenance. And by his own potency, he supplies others. In other words, whatever the citizens are offering, he has supplied it to them in the first place. Therefore, the translation continues, these presentations were like the lamp offered during worship of the sun. 
Tatropanita balayo rave dipamivadritaha. It's it's like offering a lamp to the sun. During worship, a lamp is to be offered, whether we're worshipping Krishna or a demigod or Ganga or a Vaishnava, formal worship requires offering a lamp. Offering a lamp to the sun, yes, even when worshipping the sun, we offer a lamp. So we may think, well, why? Why offer a lamp to the sun when the lamp, the little oil burning wick is the, the, the what <laughs> it seems ridiculous but it is a what's going on here when the citizens of dwaraka or when we ourselves offer something to krishna what's going on it's a formality in one sense but it's an expression of respect puja means respect and beyond respect, love. That's the point of Bhagavatam. First, we should respect the Lord. He is Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Janmadya Sayataha. He is the supreme respectable Lord, the source of everything, the maintainer of everything, the destroyer of everything. But over and above that, the Bhagavatam brings us to the platform of love of Krishna. So we offer things to Krishna with love. And we see here in Dwaraka, it's mixed in as much as the citizens of Dwaraka are very much fully aware that Krishna is the Supreme Lord, but at the same time, they love him as their own friend or relative protector. <clears throat> the citizens began to speak in ecstatic language to receive the Lord just as wards welcome their guardian and father. Reading from Srila Prabhupada's purport, the Supreme Lord Krishna is described herein as Atmarama. He is self-sufficient and there is no need for him to seek happiness from anything beyond himself. He is self-sufficient because his very transcendental existence is total bliss. See this. We should read Srila Prabhupada's books very scrutinizingly. Self-sufficient. Generally, we think, well, self-sufficiency, we use that in relation to economics, how to live self-sufficient. We, we can live very simply on the land and get food, water from the, from the land and and housing and everything we can get from the land, self-sufficiency. But here, Srila Prabhupada writes, he is self-sufficient because his very transcendental existence is total bliss. Now that, his transcendental existence is total bliss, that brings us more to the idea of Atmarama. He's fully blissed. He's fully satisfied in himself. But that is his self-sufficiency also because our greatest need, even more than food and clothing and shelter, is for bliss. And Krishna is blissful. He is eternal. Continuing Srila Prabhupada's purport. He is eternally existent. He is all cognizant and all blissful. So that means sat-chit-ananda. 
Therefore, any presentation, however valuable it may be, is not needed by him, but still because he is the well-wisher for one and all, he accepts from everyone everything that is offered to him in pure devotional service. That's his mercy, that he's, he, to benefit us, he accepts our offerings. It is not that he is in want of such things because the things are themselves generated from his energy. Now, here we come to the point of the sun. The comparison is made herein that making offerings to the Lord is something like offering a lamp in the worship of the sun god. Anything fiery and illuminating is but an emanation of the energy of the sun. So all those neon lights in the cities and halogen lights and flashlights and strike a match, you get a little flame. It's all an emanation of the energy of the sun. And yet to worship the sun god, it is necessary to offer him a lamp. That's according to the rules given in Vedic scripture. To worship the sun god, you have to offer him a lamp. You may say, what for? He doesn't need a lamp. Well, he doesn't need anything from us. But it's a, it's a formal way of worship. <clears throat> in the worship of the sun, there is some sort of demand made by the worshiper. That's the general case, that people worship demigods, kāṅkṣānta kāramanāṁ siddhim yajanta ihadevataha. People worship demigods because they want something in the, in the field of karma, they want something for their enjoyment. Kāmais tais tāya hṛta jñāna prapadyante devataha. Krishna says in Bhagavad-gītā repeatedly that worshippers of demigods are materialistic. But, Srila Prabhupada continues, materialistic means they want something. But in the case of devotional service to the Lord, there is no question of demand from either side. It is all a sign of pure love and affection between the Lord and the devotee. So this would be very nice to all these kinds of examples. Uh, they can be utilized in teaching students, disciples. Uh, we see when, for instance, Vishwamitra taking Ram and Lakshman from Ayodhya to his ashram, to Vishwamitra's ashram, and on the way they passed so many ways, and Ram was asking questions, Vishwamitra was explaining. It was a field trip, you could say, in which he was explaining, so, oh, this place it's like this, this place is desolate because previously it was a great city and then this and that, and he describes so many things. So in the same way, the, the guru call, it doesn't have to be a building. You can use the, the guru just takes the disciple and say, now, you see, now the sun is rising. Of course, at that time, the students in the guru call and the guru, they would be performing their sandhya. Uh, <clears throat> Because to be a student in a gurukul, you traditionally you have to be initiated with upanayanam, one, and after which one is obliged to perform sandhya vandanam three times a day, in sunrise, noon, and sunset around that time. But anyway, the point when you see the sun, then we can say so many things about the sun in relation to Krishna and not in relation to Krishna. 
can be said. It's possible to describe the son. We could say so much about the son in relation to Karna, for instance, who was a great worshipper of the son. And when he was killed by Arjuna, it was seen that his soul went to the son. So we can, that's also within the scope of Vedic literature, and we could talk so much according to scientific understanding and so on. But we really want to say in relationship to Krishna. Similarly, well, Ganga, oh, so many things we can say. Or any river, the flowing of the water, Bhumirapa, Nalobayo, Kangmano, Buddhirevacha, or everything in nature, the, the earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, uh, egoism, anything we see, this is the teaching of Krishna consciousness, how we can see everything in relation to Krishna. We're here in the material world by Shaka Chandra Nyai, by indicating one thing, we can go beyond that to see something which is more distant and much greater. In other words, by First of all, it, we're shown, you see those two branches? The branches in the courtyard of the house that the mother indicates to the child. You see these two branches? What's that round thing in between? That is the moon. Oh, Shaka means branch, and Chandra means moon. And Nyai means, literally means logic. Or in this case, it's an, an, an analogy. So, by indicating something with which we are familiar, we can, using analogies, we can indicate something which is uh, far greater. So, even the sun is so great, but Krishna is much greater. So, by discussing the sun, as is done in Shastra, then we can understand more and more about Krishna. I'm going to read from Srila Prabhupada's purport to Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 9, Text 34. Still on the point, still on the point of the Lord being self-illuminating or the illumination of the sun. Srila Prabhupada writes, any living being beginning from the Brahmas, there are innumerable Brahmas in innumerable, in innumerable universes to the insignificant ant are all born in darkness and they all requ they require factual light from the Lord to see him directly, just as the sun can be seen only by the direct light of the sun. No lamp or man-made torchlight, however powerful it may be, can help one to see the sun. The sun reveals itself. Therefore, the action of different energies of the Lord or the personality of Godhead himself can be realized by the light manifested by the causeless mercy of the Lord. The sun reveals himself. Maybe that was, I don't know. I agree with editing. I can only speculate. But the, the point is there that we may bring a very powerful light even we hear in ancient Egypt, Alexandria, the uh, very powerful lighthouse, 
Uh, and nowadays we have with electric arrangement, lighthouse. Uh, the last time I saw a lighthouse was, I, I, I used to see regularly in England because there's so much coastline there. But in the last time was Dwaraka. So you see in the darkness of night, the, the piercing light it, uh, of the lighthouse, it, it, it really illuminates the, the darkness in the sea. And it goes, it goes around, it doesn't stay in one spot. So that beam of light is very powerful. But that light cannot help us to see the sun. It really lights up one, one shaft of light, which li lights up part of the sea. But we can't see the sun by, by however powerful the light is. For that, to see the sun, we need sunlight. The sun is seen by his own light. So the example is given here that even up to Brahma, the highest living being in the universe, all living beings need to see Krishna. We see him, Shutikshitapata, uh, through the, the path of hearing, seeing by hearing. And hearing means particularly the Vedic knowledge. So by hearing, from Krishna, we can understand Krishna. He reveals himself. Now, however powerful our intelligence is, just like however powerful our halogen lamp or whatever it is, however powerful our intelligence is, it's completely incapable of understanding Krishna. I may say, then, why, why, why do we have scripture, then, if, we, if our intelligence is not enough to understand Krishna? Well, that Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Teisham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam dadami buddhi yogam tam yena maam upayanti te. Teisham evanukam paratam ahama jnana jang tamaha nashyami atma bhavasto jnana deepena bhasvata. That Krishna gives the intelligence to persons who are very sincere to approach Krishna. Krishna, <clears throat> the, the light of knowledge within the heart, reveals to the devotee. So we hear, we employ our intelligence to understand Krishna, and Krishna gives the intelligence by which we can understand him. It's not by brain power. Uh, that we can understand. It's, it's not by being a great Sanskrit pundit. There's no way by, by being a great scientist. Actually, we see people, the more educated they are, the more atheistic they become, generally, with, this, with the present system of atheistic education. It shouldn't be like that. One who's actually educated should come closer to God. That's actual education. So that's another point. When we see the sun, we can think, oh, the sun. We can only see the sun by the sun, so we can only see Krishna by Krishna's mercy, by the light he gives in the form of the Vedic knowledge. Now, <clears throat> this example of the sun 
being illuminating is also applied in the sense of ascending versus descending knowledge. And it's in the purport which I just read, it's implicit there, but I'm going to read now. Uh, I'm going to read now from a purport from the 11th canto of Bhagavatam, which is based on the uh, previous Acharya's commentary. So, uh, the, insi the insignificant sparks of a fire have no power to illuminate the blazing fire, which is itself the source of illumination. So we're talking about the sun. Uh, uh, similarly, a blazing fire can be said to be a source of illumination. Just as the sun, the, this, we say the sun is the source of illumination of everything in the universe. So a fire is also a source of illumination. If you have a fire in a field, it lights up everything around it. So continuing this purport, similarly, the tiny living entity who is like a spark of the Supreme Personality of Godhead cannot illuminate the Personality of Godhead by his insignificant intellectual power. It's the same uh, example given, but with uh, taking the example of a blazing fire and a spark. Now, again, the example of the sun comes. One may argue that the sun expands its potency in the form of its rays, and it is through the illumination of those rays that we are able to see the sun. In the same way, we should be able to perceive the absolute truth by the expansion of its potency. Ah, we see, they say that, well, we can see the sun by the sun, so we should be able to perceive the absolute truth by the expansion of its potency. If we say that, well, I'm also a jiva, or I'm part of the absolute truth, so I should be able to understand the absolute truth. It's a hint of mayavad here, that they're taking the jiva to be on the level of the... the, the they use the word atma to, with the idea that there's only one atma. And our... Our perception of ourself as being different from the oneness of everything is an illusion. So, continuing reading this purport, in answer to this, it may be stated that if the sun creates a cloud covering the sky, then despite the presence of sun rays, the sun cannot be seen. If the sun rays still come through the cloud, otherwise... On a cloudy day, we wouldn't be able to see anything. But we can't see the sun on a when, when the sun is covered by a cloud. The sun rays still come through, but the sun is not seen. Therefore, ultimately, the power to see the sun depends not only on the sun's rays, but on the presence of a clear sky, which is an, also an arrangement by the sun. Similarly, as stated in this verse, one can understand the existence of the absolute truth by the expansion of its potency. So we have to go deeply here to understand that we can understand the supreme absolute truth by the expansion of its potencies, but at the same time we should understand there is the Maya Shakti, which is also created by the Supreme Lord, by which we can't see the Supreme Lord. 
and therefore we're ultimately dependent upon the Supreme Lord to see him, just like we can hypothesize in a cloudy day where the light is coming from, but uh, we don't see the sun. So we can hypothesize so many things, what is the absolute truth, but when he reveals himself, then everything becomes clear. So all these philosophical truths we could understand in relation to the sun. And uh, another example given in relationship to the illumination of the sun. This is from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 13, which discusses the Kshetra Kshetragya Yoga, the yoga or the discussion of the field and the knower of the field. So this chapter discusses uh, the living entity within material nature, Purusha Prakriti Stohi, uh, and the Supreme Personality of Godhead who accompanies the uh, individual jivas uh, in the form of Paramatma. This is the subject matter of this <clears throat> chapter. And uh, chapter 13, text 34, Yata prakashyatyeka kritsnam lokamimam ravihi kshetram kshetri tata kritsnam prakashyati bharata. So again, the word ravi, we had that also in the verse which I quoted from Bhagavatam first canto. Ravi is the name of the sun. <clears throat> so Srila Prabhupada's translation here, O son of Bharat, as the sun alone illuminates all this universe, so does the living entity, one within the body, illuminate the entire body by consciousness. Eka, yata prakashyat yeka. Eka means alone, one. So <clears throat> the illumination of the sun can be understood uh, in another way. Another lesson we can take from the illumination of the sun, that the sun illuminates all the universe. And we may think, well, how did people know about that at the time of Bhagavad Gita? Because they didn't have rocket ships and telescopes. and well, They knew from the Shastra. The sun illuminates the whole universe. The sun illuminates all this universe. We may say, well, there are stars and moon, but as we've heard, even their light is dependent on the light of the sun. So another example is given in this verse. Kshetram Kshetri. The the field, that there's the body, and this, here kshetra refers to the body, and kshetri refers to the soul within the body. So the point being made here is that just as the sun illuminates the whole universe, so the, the presence of the living entity within the body spreads consciousness to the entire body which is like illumination. It's, it's an energy. It's something which we can experience, but it's philosophically very difficult to understand, which Srila Prabhupada alludes to in his purport. I'll read from Srila Prabhupada's purport. There are various theories regarding consciousness. What is consciousness? Here, Srila Prabhupada continues, here in Bhagavad Gita, the example of the sun and the sunshine is given. 
makes it very clear, very easy to understand, as the sun is situated in one place but is illuminating the whole universe. Now, of course, we know from the Vedic literature that the sun is not situated in one place. He's always moving, but the point is being made that from whichever particular place he's in at that time, the, uh, the light spreads out everywhere. And during the course of a day, he illuminates the whole universe or, or, or every, every part of the universe, whatever light comes to it, comes from the sun. So as the sun is situated in one place but is illuminating the whole universe, so a small particle of spirit soul, actually the sun, although so powerful, it, the size of the sun globe in relation to the universe is minuscule. Similarly, the size, although in one sense the, the size of the soul can't be measured at all, but it's, it's minuscule. We don't see it. it, it tiny, tiny. The form of the jiva is very, very small compared to cutting the tip of the hair a hundred times and then again taking that and cutting it a hundred times. One ten thousandth the uh, one ten thousandth size the, the of the tip of a hair. Sankhya Tito Hichit Karnaha. And how many how many such jivas are there? So tiny. Uncountable. They're all a particle, a tiny particle of consciousness. So every one of them, when he, the jiva in the material world enters a particular body being placed there by the Supreme Lord. Uh, so the size of the jiva compared to the body is very small, but gives consciousness to the whole body, just like the size of the sun in comparison to the whole universe is very small, but illuminates the whole universe. Right? Uh, the illumination spreads, of consciousness spreads. It may be a tiny mosquito or maybe a big elephant but the consciousness spreads to the whole body. Uh, as the sun is situated in one place, but is illuminating the whole universe, so a small particle of spirit soul, although situated in the heart of this body, uh, along with the Supreme Lord, situated in the heart, is illuminating the whole body by consciousness. The consciousness is the proof of the presence of the soul as sunshine or light is the proof of the presence of the sun. Again, it's, it's so simple and so clear and superb. Just like if there's light, we you may be sleeping in a dark room with the curtains closed. You draw the curtains and you can see, oh, it's daytime. I overslept. <laughs> this, you, you may not see the sun directly, but you know the sun is present by the sunshine. So in the same way, if there's life in the body, there's consciousness in the body, it's proof of the presence of the soul. Continuing from Srila Prabhupada's purport, when the soul is present in the body, there is consciousness all over the body, 
and as soon as the soul has passed from the body, there is no more consciousness. It's very uh, interesting and relevant discussion about this in the science of self-realization in which uh, Srila Prabhupada writes a letter to a heart surgeon in Canada uh, regarding the presence of the soul and the non-presence, which means death when the soul leaves the body. It's very uh, interesting. I, I recommend uh, take some time out and find the book, The Signs of Self-Realization, and find, I believe the... Dr. Why? Oh, I think Dr. Bigelow, whatever his name is, is right there. So Krishna, this, this is the point. Krishna is the one source. Yata prakashyatyeka. Eka, one source. Kritsnam lokam imam ravihi. Krishna is the one source of light and energy illuminating and nourishing everything. So that's another understanding. It is somewhat different from the one of spreading consciousness. Uh, but once he leaves the body of any creature, when, once he decides, okay, time up, time for you to go. And then, although he's situated everywhere, he ceases to accompany the soul within the body. Once he leaves the body of any creature, the body cannot be maintained. Although those who experiment with medical science, they want to, they'll give some electric shock and pump some oxygen and try to keep it going. They may even keep the body going, make a pretense of keeping the, the body alive just to get more money. That happened recently with one of our devotees. It seemed that they had him on, they were just, they had the heart beating and everything going. They were just doing it just to keep them alive because they were charging one lakh a day. These things are going on, as Srila Prabhupada would say. Now, I'll read from Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 6, Text 6, 17. Svadhishnam pratapan prano bahischa pratapatyasau. Evang virajang pratapangs tapatyantar bahi puman. The sun illuminates both internally and externally by expanding its radiation. Similarly, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by expanding his universal form, maintains everything in the creation, both internally and externally. So the sun illuminates both internally and externally. What does that mean? Well, obviously everything external to the sun is illuminated by the sun. But even within the sun globe, there's light also. So both internally and externally, the sun, by expanding his radiation, illuminates everything. So what does this mean? What does this example show? I'll read from the purport by Srila Prabhupada. The universal form of the Lord, or the impersonal feature of the Lord known as the Brahma Jyoti, is clearly explained here and compared to the radiation of the sun. The sunshine may expand all over the universe, but the source of the sunshine, namely the sun planet or the deity known as Surya Narayana, 
is the basis of such radiation. Similarly, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Krishna, is the basis of the impersonal Brahma Jyoti radiation or the impersonal feature of the Lord. Yeah, so everything rests on the Brahma Jyoti and Krishna, his universal form, is maintaining everything, watching everything from outside and watching everything from inside within the, the heart of every living being. Andantarasta paramanu chayantarastam. He's situated within the whole universe. He's situated within the heart of every living being. <clears throat> so there are many deep philosophical considerations which we can have just by seeing the sun. and see Krishna, Hare Krishna. Vancha kalpa tarubhyas cha kripa sindhu vira patita nam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha dante nidhaya chunakang padayone patya kritva cha kakushatam etaraham bravimi he sadhava sakala eva vihaya durat goranga chandra charane kurutanura Parivadatu jano yata tata va nanu mokarona vayang navicharaya maha hari rasamadira madati mata bhuvi vilutama nartama nirvisha Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama